Hey there, it's Hannah. I am the host of the Sit With Snip podcast. I'm so excited to welcome you to the second season of this show. And I'm just so grateful to be sitting with such incredible individuals and to also be fostering really important conversations surrounding the world and life of what it means to be single. Initially, I had a lot of hesitation about speaking on this subject. I usually wait until I've mastered something before I go and tell the world about it. I like to think that's a healthy boundary. However, I felt so compelled to kind of come out and speak from the trenches of this vulnerable state of trying to live a meaningful life without having yet met my life partner. So I'm speaking to you from the search. How do we live to be independent and also move forward and make the most of our time? But also keeping in mind that there's a person out there who's going to help you actualize and access a part of yourself that you can't do alone and how to be okay with that. So for starters, I'm really excited to welcome my first guest, my dear friend and colleague, Remy Stern. Remy is a certified life and health coach and just an amazing, amazing soul. We spoke about this episode for a very long time. And I feel that as time continues to pass, her journey and the path that she's walked on can be such a reference, inspiration, and a guiding light for us all. So without further ado, here's to sitting with self-love. And remember, if you enjoyed this episode, reach out, DM us, make sure to follow up at Sit With Snit on Instagram. And as always, remember it's all lessons and blessings. Welcome back to the Sit With Snit podcast. It's been a minute and I'm so happy to be sitting with a dear friend, colleague. I feel like the list continues to unfold as life continues to unfold. Remy Stern, she is an incredible coach and you might know her from Levy by Remy on Instagram. Hey, Rem, how are you doing? Hello, I'm good. Thank you. I'm so happy to be doing this finally. I'm so happy. Guys, we've been, Remy and I have been talking about this for quite some time and we just kind of knew that a collaboration was in the works and we just knew like the right time was going to come and the right times now. And I'm just so happy to be bringing this into fruition. Um, We've both kind of been like in the audience of each other's growth and kind of standing as like cheerleaders in the sidelines. And it's just so special to be sitting with you, Rem, after you've accomplished so much. You're married, you have your own coaching and you're helping people really bring the best parts of them themselves out and just really like thriving. And that's why I wanted you to be a part of the second season of Sit With Snit, where we're talking about what it means to be single and how to live a meaningful life when you're still searching for your life partner. Mm-hmm. I love that. And this is really my favorite subject probably in the world. Um, <laughs> partly, I love it so much. Partly the reason I even found Judaism in general mm-hmm. was because, so I grew up not religious at all, didn't know what kosher was, didn't know what Shabbat was, um, went to BU yeah. and met Rabbi Lokech, who changed my whole life. And I happened to meet him, and this is from Hashem, same type of thing. My parents 
sat me and my sister down the night before I was leaving for second semester. So I just had first semester. I met all these friends. I was feeling good. Life was going well. Go home for winter break. Parents sit me down night before I'm leaving. We're splitting up. And for anyone who's ever unfortunately gone through that, that takes the foundation of your world and just rips it apart. And it is so much more painful than I could have ever imagined. Thank God has been my greatest teacher. Um, it still goes on this good old divorce. It's not a quick breakup. They, they take a long time. Get to Boston that first week. My friends go, you know, we're taking this class about Judaism. It's Tuesday nights. Um, and the rabbi is supposed to be cool, but like, do you want to do it? Um, and I was like, why would I ever <laughs> want to not be a Bijou on a Tuesday night? Like, of course I'd want to be there. I don't want to be in a stupid Jewish class. Are you crazy? And they were like, well, you make $500 if you show up. And I was like, okay, fine. Hot let's twist. go. Before I knew it, I was getting there early, leaving late. From that day on, I met with Rabbi Lokech every single week in college. And really it was this place of, it was a little broken in all honesty. It was pain and a massive wound that just happened to me. And all of a sudden the answers for how to be on your own and be the best person you can, how to find a soulmate, how to be married, like everything just unfolded in front of me. And I was like, oh my gosh, we're from Hashem. Like, so this subject is where I found Judaism really what's brought me into life coaching. And it's, it's so powerful. And I think it can change the entire world if we know how to be with ourselves, love ourselves and find our soulmate in the proper way. So super excited. Oh my goodness. No, I, I, I really feel that. And actually I believe it's the Baal Shem Tov. And he says, there's nothing more beautiful than a broken heart because in that brokenness, like Hashem, the universe, whatever you want to call the entity that is like the energy of this world comes to you because even in that brokenness, even in the lowest of the lower, what you call darkness, like you can still connect to something infinite. And I like to think that in this experience of being single, that infiniteness is you, it's yourself, it's your potential, what you can be giving to the world. And just thank you so much for being open and vulnerable with your story. I think that so many people um, fear sometimes being real or being our authentic selves because we're afraid to be judged. But truly, when we are authentic selves, then we're able to access parts and other people that perhaps we wouldn't be able to if we just aren't real. So thank you um, just for showing up and sharing with us about that. I'd love to hear more about, you know, just how you cultivated kind of yourself when you were single. And also I know that was very much the time that brought you into life coaching. I know there was a huge pivot in your career direction. I'd love to hear more about your process and some insight. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So as I said, and as you kind of mentioned, and I'm an open book, so welcome. This is me. <laughs> it's, it's part of like the way I live is of course, there's places where I need to create soft, happy boundaries of this is for me and myself, but for the most part, I'm an open book. I share. Um, but really, my hardships, any time in my life that was a little bit tougher than easier has been why I am where I am today. So like, I have to thank those. And I have to thank Hashem, honestly, for giving those to me. Like, of course, it would have been so much easier for me to turn and say, Hashem, like, why couldn't you give me parents that just like made, you know, a structured home and like, we just had one home to go to. Like, why would you give me this situation? Right. But then if I look at it and I was like, would I actually press delete on my parents' 
divorce? Like, would I press delete on that portion of my life? No, because really it's the reason I am why I am here today. Same with all of my single experiences and all of my dating relationships, like my relationships. Um, everything from the good, the bad, the ugly, everything is the reason that I am where I am today. Mm-hmm. So going with my story, I guess, of yeah. my parents, um, my own dating, my own experience of being single. Um, my parents were from that point on, from the day they said they were splitting up, were on and off for many years. So I was experiencing what was a broken home mm-hmm. and trying to find peace in myself and find foundation for myself and what I felt was a broken home with so much love. Thank God. So much care in the home. Like there really were beautiful values, the marriage value. And guess what? Look at the United States. How many people are divorced? What is it over 60% now? Like more than we can count. Exactly. Because we're not taught the proper tools on one, how to be with ourselves and how to find a partner and then how to be with that partner. So I ended up being in a relationship, thank God, who was an amazing person for 10 years on and off, kind of mirroring my parents. (laughs) And so through that time, I learned really about being in a serious relationship, being in a partnership with someone else. I was young. I started at 14. So like, did I do it all perfectly? Absolutely not. Did I learn a lot from that? For sure. But I've dealt with heartbreak through that. Um, He's still an amazing soul. I have this fascinating um, kind of realization between soulmate and Besherit. Um, and I, I love it. It's really carried me through this. But I think the, the uh, English word for soulmate is kind of what we all go off of or in the United States yeah. on marriage, right? So we're looking for a soulmate. And again, when we look at the United States, the stats tell us that 60% or more get divorced. So we're all looking for a soulmate. And that's the person who's going to make us feel good about ourselves, who we can sit on the couch and watch Netflix with, or we can go on trips with, and we can cry together and we can laugh together. Like that's your soulmate, right? And your soul really does attach that person. That is the word, the definition for the word soulmate. Right. I do think this person was for me in my life. Um, But share it on the other hand, soulmate, the English version, which by the way, kind of translates to like a best, best, best friend. Yeah. Someone who really makes you feel good also, I think. Exactly. Makes you feel good. Like that's, that's a best friend. A best friend should be absolutely should be part of Besherit, but Besherit's more about your counterpart, the person who's going to make you grow in life and teach you a lot and kind of push you like maybe not even the easier person to be with because they're going to teach you so much and make you be the best version of yourself. So that counterpart to your soul who's going to complete you and make you whole. And that's part of one of my favorite things, 50, 50%. Mm. But long story short, I had this relationship. So I experienced a lot of that. Then I had times where I've experienced really that full feeling of like freedom in yourself to get to know yourself, be yourself, Mm. get excited for like meals alone and going to yoga alone. Like I've had those experiences. I've had the experiences in single where I'm miserable and I'm in a dark hole 
Mm -hmm. And that was actually my greatest teacher. Being miserable and in a dark hole was my greatest teacher and pulling myself out into when I found my husband. So a lot of information. I didn't really say it chronologically, no, it was but perfect. If anything you want to pull out. <laughs> I, I would love to hear more about getting yourself out of that dark hole, mm -hmm. um, recognizing it. Like, were you able to recognize when you were in that space that you were maybe not at the highest point? And if so, how are you able to say, okay, well, this is the experience I'm in. I have to honor it because if you suppress any experience, it's just going to add to the baggage that we try to like store in the back of our minds and hearts, but it really comes out later. And I'm sure it's once you're married, it's like, everything's out. Hey, this is me. Oh, yeah. So how, how are you able to make sense of that experience and ultimately use it to propel you forward? A hundred percent. So this is partly my favorite time of my life. So I moved to New York. I got a job. At first, it's all well and good. You're partying in New York as, you know, young, yeah. you're working all the time. And then all of a sudden, like, it's a gradual process. It's very slow of all of a sudden recognizing you're in somewhat of a dark hole. So it definitely didn't happen overnight. It took a few years till I was like, ooh, this really just does not feel good. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so moved to New York, get a job. Before I know it, I'm a little bit miserable at my job. And every single day, that feeling of waking up at 6 30, 7 in the morning with like pain in your heart and tears in your eyes, and you're like, the next 10 hours of my day are just not being spent where I want them. And that's not a good feeling no, to have. I've been there and, too. Yeah, it's tough. And I was overeating and just sitting at the office trying to fill that void and just feeling gross and overeating. And everything about me, my energy, my physical, everything was getting heavier. And I was going out with friends at night and I was drinking a lot of alcohol and going out late and not getting sleep. And over time, if you can imagine, this makes you not feel so good. So my, exactly the way that I remember it. And actually a life coach told me my first life coach said I was on this downward spiral. I was feeling bad about myself. So I was trying to fill myself by at this time, like let's say eating was what a perfect example is eating in a gross way. Now I love pasta pizza. I love everything. Um, but at this time, it just the way I was going about it was different. It was to fill something. So I was feeling poorly about myself. I was eating to feel better. I was feeling worse. People could feel that energy, aka men in the dating world felt my energy of heaviness. Right. They would feed to me. So I got worse about myself. So I ate more and I felt downward spiral. And I was just going super deep. And I would say one situation in dating mm -hmm. really slapped me across the face which was, again, the best thing that's ever happened to me and one of the more painful ones and didn't even have to do so much about the other person. It was where I was out of my life and a wound that they opened up for me. And I looked and I said, this doesn't feel good. And I met my first life coach. I finally called her. It was, I actually heard about her um, in Israel and Jerusalem and Neve. It took me two years from the time I heard about her to reach out. And I called her and she says, Remy, we got to turn this downward spiral into an upward spiral. We've got to cleanse your life of what's not serving you. You've got too much clutter in your life right now. That's just pulling you down. So we cleansed food. That was an easy place. And just in the like most healthy way possible, all the weight dropped like this. That was not meant to be there because it clearly wasn't. Yeah. Um, we cleansed social media at that point. Just clutter in my life was too much excess we cleansed um, dating. I said, I do not want to meet the person I'm going to marry until I feel amazing about myself. Mm -hmm. Before I knew it, I got a new job because I was begging the universe for a new job. Within three weeks, met Jonathan and my whole life turned around. But yes, <clears throat> it took me noticing 
that that one moment of being this does not feel good and I'm going to take my life into my own hands and that's when everything turned around wow no I think it's there's so there's so much to say once you have that recognition and creating space, right? Or letting go of certain things to create space for the new things to come in, right? The new blessings to kind of fall through. And um, <clears throat> saying there's no such thing as an illness without the cure. Like the cure is made first, meaning that any ailment or any hardship that we're experiencing, like the salvation's there. We just have to wait to access it because time is honestly like a human construct. There is no such thing as time when it comes to Hashem and the way the universe works. So it's really something ironically for our benefit, even though in the moment it's like, oh my gosh, another day at this job that mm-hmm. I can't stand. Oh my gosh, I'm not feeling good in my body, but really it's actually the biggest blessing because there's a whole mechanism behind it. Um, unreal, unreal. Yeah. You know, it's, it's huge. And it's saying that I like to say, <clears throat> sorry, is that you can't bring in the new furniture until you get rid of the old, like try to decorate a new apartment. It's impossible unless you get rid of the old furniture. Right. So sometimes we have to let go of things in order to bring in the new. And like you said, I'll have a lot of friends come to me and be like, Remy, like, I just, is it going to happen for me? You know, like classic, like, is it going to happen? I just don't, I don't know if I believe it anymore. I'm 28 which is very young, but they'll be, I'm 28. It hasn't happened yet. Is it going to happen yet? And what I like to say to people is it's happening. Like it's in Hashem's plan. It's already happening. Yes, it's happening. So here's your crystal ball. Easy peasy. Look into it. Stare at it. It's happening. It's coming. So this is kind of that notion of time for you. Like we're such linear time focused creatures that we're thinking like, I'm doing the work. Why is it not here? Like we want to do an action and to receive what was supposed to happen, right? But there's something so much bigger working here. And if you have this, this, um, what's crystal called ball. crystal ball, <laughs> by the way, pregnancy brain is a real thing. I like forget words. A to our girl over here who is creating a beautiful warrior of a princess. And we're so excited. Yeah, she's the best. But this, this crystal ball of whatever the person that you want to meet, you can see that you're going to meet them what are you going to do up until then? Like Mm. kind of release this pressure on time, because if we have pressure on time, we're trying to control our lives that then there might as well not be a God. Like if we think we could do it better than Hashem could, then why do we even like pray for something? So to, to trust, to deep, deep, deep trust the emunah of like, I know this is happening. Look at the crystal ball. And what am I going to do until then? Is it worth sitting around and sulking and being sad that it's not here yet? Or do you want to enjoy your life and jump around and have some fun and get to know yourself because you're pretty awesome. And you're really never, if I, like I said, look back at my favorite time, it's that day I decided I'm turning my life around. And instead of ordering bagels first thing in the morning on a Sunday and talking about how boys suck and how my life sucks and how my <laughs> job sucks, I'd wake up and I went to yoga. Mm-hmm. And then I went and got a delicious, like, veggie sandwich that filled up my soul, filled up my body. And just like the different energy and the way that I was going was this upward spiral. But that, that decision to be with myself, to walk into a Jewish organization, to a Jewish party and say, I hope my husband actually isn't here tonight. Like, I kind of want to just like hang out with myself. I'm going to walk in. I hope he's not here. Just yeah. change it rather than walking into those situations being like, I hope he's here. I hope he's here because guess what happens? There's only one husband out there for you. Hopefully I hope there's only one most likely 
he's not going to be at that party. If he was at every party, the odds would be that you'd have a hundred husbands, you know? <laughs> so to walk in and be like, I hope he's not here, but then be pleasantly surprised versus I hope he's here. I hope he's here. And then be disappointed. Mm. Just that energetics, like really changes everything. And it was the, my favorite time of my life, really. Wow. And I think it's so true about that energy shift because people like energy, like people get it, people feel it. So when you have that energy of like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I hope you're my husband. A guy's going to feel that and literally run the other direction. Even if let's say he's not your husband, but sometimes I, I, I say this to myself a lot, like you, you, not, you never know the interaction that you need to have with a person, not even in the sense that it might lead to your husband, but in the span of just life itself, you have no idea what a smile can do for another person. You have no idea what one like exchange might do for them. So it's just, you need to embody the energy that you want to be when you meet your husband, regardless if you're going to meet him or not. Exactly. And people can feel, and not even just people, I think Hashem, the universe, whatever you want to call it, can feel when you are wanting something to fill a void in you. Mm. So if you're wanting to meet your partner because you want to feel loved and you want to feel celebrated, then the universe recognizes that you're needing that to fill something. Right. And most likely it's not going to give it to you. And if it does, I'm so sorry to say, it's probably not a stable thing. It's not what's going to work out because if it's filling something inside of you, then it's serving a purpose. Whereas a relationship should be about making each other better, of course, but you have to come from a place of being full. Mm-hmm. So, and that goes for anything in life. If you want to call in more money in your career or a new career, you have to come from a place of wholeness, fullness, and then you can up level. Yeah. It's very difficult to come from a place of emptiness and having to fill things up. And this kind of makes me think of when you're standing under the chuppah, they tell you something that just changed my life. And I genuinely, genuinely felt this way, which was super cool. Mm-hmm. They say one plus one equals one, right? On today in, in conventional wisdom, one plus one equals two. But today, one plus one equals one. Because what does that mean? In the whole, in the one, there's 50% and 50%. I'm 50, Jonathan's 50, but my 50 is actually a 100%. And his 50 is a 100% that makes us bigger 100%. So our single years are meant to fill that 50% up, which is really our 100% to make a bigger 100%. So it's it's kind of like this out there spiritual. I see it. I feel it. But to fill up your 50%, which is your 100%, is your goal of your single years. So wherever you're at, like get excited about filling up that 50%, because guess what? Your husband's doing that too. He's in the process of also filling it up and timing is everything. The same way that us on this podcast didn't happen until now, like timing is everything, right? Mm -hmm. And you don't want to meet your husband when he's 30% full. You want to meet him when he's 50, 100% of his 50%. So, and wherever you're at on your vibration, that's who you're going to be with. So if you're sitting here and you're depressed, you're going to end up with someone who's at that vibration. Pull yourself up because that's the type of person you also want to marry. How was it when you weren't necessarily at your 100% saying like, you know what, this isn't the time to start attracting people. Um, I find that, you know, when I speak to people and even with myself, it's sometimes hard to close 
quote unquote, the doors, because then you get like people coming at you like, oh, here's a guy, here's a guy. And I'm like, this is so funny. Like I literally said, I'm not going to be dating right now because I'm not in this space. And now I'm getting flooded with ideas. Do I go with these ideas? Should I go on this date? And I have to like pause and be like, if I'm getting these ideas and I'm at a low place, like, are they really worthwhile? Like maybe the better option is to say no. And I'd love to hear it like from your experience, what that looked like for you. hundred percent. So the irony of it all was, I think this happened. I made these decisions in December, right? So I was like, right after Thanksgiving, I come back to New York, cleanse my life, December of whatever year that was, 2019, maybe. Okay. Um, my first date with Jonathan was in one of my decisions was cleansing dating. Mm-hmm. My first date with Jonathan was January 15th. So my dating cleanse didn't last that long. But what happened was someone who I admire and love and went to college with and was like, someone I actually, actually care for, you know, mm-hmm. I think is a good soul. It's Jonathan's cousin, my husband's cousin, and he set us up and I get a call and I was off living my life. I think I was in LA at the time. And like, I was so happy. And he calls me, Remy, you need to go on a date with my cousin. And I was like, Andrew, I don't know. It's not really the time. Like, I'm whatever. He goes, no, no, no. Trust me. I have such a good feeling about this. We please just one date. It doesn't hurt one date. I was like, I don't know. Okay, fine. Like, if you think so, I admire you. And because you're you, I'll go on one date, right? And so I broke that within a little over a month. Yeah. Like it really wasn't that long, but the energy that I went into the date with really was different than it would have been before that month and a half. Mm. And I, I could sense that. I could really feel that. Like if this didn't work out, my world wasn't going to crumble and burn and I, I would still have that same amount of self-worth and self-love. Mm. It just wasn't my guy. So then it meant on to the next guy. Like that was my energy when I started dating him was, okay, so it's not him. It's the next one. Whereas before it was, oh my God, they don't want to be with me. What's wrong with me? Is something like what's going on? Maybe I'm not lovable. Maybe I'm not worthy of love. Um, so the energy that I went at it with was just completely different. I think the biggest advice there is check in with yourself. If you're, say you're on hinge or you're being set up, like if you're on it, feeling the sense of lacking and, oh, there's no good guys out there. Everyone sucks. I'm probably going to be like messed over anyways in this situation or whatever. If that's your energy about it, put your phone away. Say, no, thank you. Not right now to the date. But if your energy is, I feel great about myself and yeah, I actually love this person. Trust them. And sure. Why not? I'll go on a date. There's just two different energies. Completely. It's like day and night. And it's so true. Like, I think also the not having an expectation if you go on a date, right? I think the expectation kind of holds us prisoner to us believing that we know what's best. And that's, I mean, we'd like to think that like, please, like we should know what's best. We should recognize what's good for us, what's not serving us. But at the end of the day, like we can't even fathom like the plans that Hashem has for us. Like if we were to, like we're limiting it. So I think Mm -hmm. like kind of releasing those expectations and then correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like if you release the expectations, but you ground yourself and you hold on to the fact that like, I'm awesome. I'm doing amazing things independent of a man or a partner. Like I'm killing it. You go into the date kind of like, well, if this works, that's great. If it doesn't, like I'm still doing me like whatever. And you go on with your life. A hundred percent. Someone said, because it's that concept of like, do you make a list of what you want, right? Do you want him to be seven feet tall and whatever, like very tough to find in the Jewish community? But like what's on your list, right? Because if you're going in with a list and expectations of this is what would be good for me, 
Nope, he doesn't check, he doesn't check, he doesn't check, right? Mm -hmm. So that, that creates this expectation. But we do want to accept. We, have, we really don't know what's best for us. I think we have a deep intuition when we sit down and you can feel if you drop into your body, you can feel when something doesn't feel right. So really getting in tune with your body and like knowing, even if you're just kind of like sitting back like this on the date versus if you're sitting forward, on yeah, like you'll notice like your body where it's at. And if you're sitting forward, is it like a forceful like this? Or, you know, just like starting to notice the way you're feeling on these dates. Um, but noticing what doesn't feel good, what feels good. One of my favorite practices is actually two. Mm-hmm. Having a list of non-negotiables, which would be no's, right? So like, this is an absolute no. We can have non-negotiables, yes and no, but there's non-negotiables. And I hope that like him being super tall isn't a non-negotiable. Like, you know, and also physical stuff changes. So like non-negotiables and values, but you also want non-negotiables on the other side. Like if he definitely wants to live in Africa, you kind of mentioned that and you just don't, that's a non-negotiable on the no side, right? So even if it feels amazing, this probably isn't going to work out. So making sure you've got your non-negotiables and that's all you have. You don't have like the rest of it. You can, you can manifest. We could talk about that and like coming up with what he looks like. It'll probably be different because Hashem has better plans, man plans, God laughs, but I think it's man plans, God plans better. Ooh, I um, love that. <laughs> the second one that I like is when you leave a date, no matter if it's the worst date that you've ever been on in your entire life, write a list of things that did go well. Because the more you start focusing on the things that go well on dates, the more Hashem is going to bring you the things that you like. Such a good time. Where attention goes, energy flows. If you leave every date, oh, there's no guys in New York City or Miami or LA, like wherever you are in the world, like there's just no guys, like they're all so immature and so stupid. And how am I going to, guess what? That's what's going to start coming your way. But if you can say, you know, he wasn't for me, but he made me laugh a few times on the date. That was nice. And he's got good values, family values. Again, not for me, but writing down the things that go well, Hashem's going to go, okay, great. Family values makes you laugh. Let me get you, give you a whole lot more of that. And the way that you're seeing it is also from a place of gratitude. Like, okay, this person might not be for me, but I'm grateful that he made me laugh. Right. And I think we have to look for those positive attributes in every situation, not to like, it's not a cheesy thing, but it really keeps your, I think it keeps your emotions happy. And I think it keeps you in good spirits when you're able to kind of look at maybe a situation that didn't go so pleasantly, or perhaps didn't go the way you wanted it to, but you're able to look at it and say, well, you know what, there's actually things I can extract from this and find goodness with that. And use that for what, wherever, like I go next in my life. So I think when you find gratitude, it ultimately does bring joy, even if it doesn't result in like a ring on your finger. Um, yeah, of course. And, and in the end of the day, like what is a half full cup versus a half empty cup? Like it's seeing the cup as half full. So if you want to fill yourself up and come from a place of not desperation in life and wanting to fill a void, but coming from a place of wholeness, yeah. really all you have to do is change your perspective and see the glass half full and that's a huge practice of filling yourself up you said something and I'm forgetting why it reminded me of this but it did so I'm gonna go with it um there's a reason there is a reason and it's gonna come out as to why oh I know so we are talking about like now I'm losing this is pregnancy brain but I'm gonna again go with it no go with the flow something that um really stuck with me too and learning dating through Jewish eyes, right? Mm -hmm. Is I'm looking around 
again, divorce all around me. And that's the last thing I want to end in, you know, like fine being single dating is tough, but I want to make sure the partner I choose is the one that's going to be around for a long time. Like, I don't want it just any random person on the street to become my husband. Like I want to make sure this is, this is a big contract you're signing, right? I want this for the long run. Exactly. It's a long contract. It's not just a quick little boop, boop. We're signing (laughs) a contract here. That's for life plus more. And, and I'm looking around and I say, why? So why are all these people getting it so wrong? If there's this much divorce and I happen to come from a community that there's a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and someone said something to me once is that in the US, we often date this way. And there's actually with Hebrew words, there's something to it with melech. And I can try my best to yeah. describe it. But it's, it, this is the way we often date in secular United States world. Physical first, emotional second, intellectual third. Mm-hmm. So you would probably know better than I would, but melech okay. would be head, heart, this. Okay. Yeah. So melech, I think would be like malchut. Like it would be in, look, we're talking about sfirot. Um, malchut is like the kingship, crownship. So that comes from where your head is. Um, lamed, I guess, like for melech would be like lev, would be the heart. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess the end would like be the hay, but I want to say that's, like, I don't want to say it's like animal instincts, but the part of us that kind of distinguishes, like, you know, it's where your legs are. It's where movement happens. I would exactly. say that. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So that's the way that dating goes often. And, oh, sorry. That's opposite. Just kidding. So okay. the Melech, Melech is dating like a king, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's intellectual. It's, do we match up values, mainly values? Like our lives, do we see it? going in the same direction? Do we both want to live in the same place? Do we want to raise our kids the same way? Like what values are super important to you? Do you want to travel and be on yachts or do you want a home that's kosher? Like what, what is it? That's the first thing that you should do in dating. But often it's the last thing that we do here. And I'll tell you how that switches around. Then we say, this is dating like a king. Then we say, and do I like being around you? Does it feel good? Do we like doing the same activities? Do we want to sit on the couch and watch Netflix and do we want to travel like really that heart aspect then last is that physical aspect which is important we are physical beings so doing that way is dating like a king flipping it around you're gonna have to help me again okay the word melech backwards is hala maybe yeah yeah fool might mean fool yeah I think that makes sense okay so whatever it is backwards this is me not knowing Hebrew so but I I love the depth of it um, is fool and dating like a fool goes, what we often see is physical first. Yes. I see you, you're handsome, you're cute, you're pretty, whatever it is, you look good to me. Let's do this thing Two, Do we have fun? So now we've maybe spent a night together. I don't know, whatever it is, but like now we get to decide, do we have fun together? Yeah. Let's go on the trip like together. <laughs> I like you. Yes, exactly. Do, do we feel good together? Do we, do we like the same things? last but not least, and often comes way too late, comes 20 years down the line, is that intellectual, the values. It's all of a sudden we have the kids and we're, well, what type of school are we sending the kid to? Right. And you guys haven't covered that yet. So what happens 20 years down the line, you realize our values are not matched up and God forbid, often divorce comes from it. Wow. But, and it's, it's very vulnerable to think about dating. And one of the first things you do is talk about values. Like that's a very vulnerable state to be in, but it does set you up for success. So I loved, I really loved that. And hopefully I can create visuals because I really just saw that. And 
it's it's so interesting because there is like the you know it's easier yeah of course it's easier to just go on attraction and like who cares if like we have the same things but then you're not really dating for the future and something rabbi lokech always reminded me was like hannah it takes one and we want you married please god in 50 years like it doesn't matter and he continues to say that to me as i'm like rabbi so and so just got engaged this person just had a baby and i'm here and he's like hannah it doesn't matter the timeline like i want you married in 15 years please god and like having grandkids with this person and that's what matters you know and I can say from like the standpoint of going on dates with people and I, you know, dating in the Shidduch world, it is really vulnerable and overwhelming to be sitting across from someone where you're like, okay, well, um, let's try to have like an easy conversation, but like, um, could you be my husband? And like, you know, how do you want to raise our children one day? It's, it's very, um, it's very overwhelming. And I think something I've been learning in a practice, I do a lot. And I think this goes for any type of dating, Jewish world, secular, who cares, um, is just being present in your body. It really helps, like you said, like, how do you feel in front of this person? How's your breathing? Like, how's, you know, it helps you stay present. It helps you not just start, you know, imagining your life together because that that's that, that can be dangerous territory, but being present. And that's, I think, the most important thing also, providing yourself with the self-love in the present moment. Like, okay, this date didn't go the way I wanted to. Am I going to go and eat a box of chocolate and like pull an L Woods? Or am I going to maybe take some deep breaths and choose a tool of mine that I have that I've cultivated over the years that'll help, you know, fortify who I am. Like maybe it's taking a bubble bath. Maybe it's doing a practice of yoga, like you said. And I feel like, especially once you're married, those self-love tools don't go away. Because your husband's not going to be able or your partner's not going to be able to give you your own self-love. Like that's something you need to learn to cultivate from yourself. hundred percent. I'm going to work backwards because I've got a lot to say about what you said. Um, First, just going back about the Melech and that, because you had said something that reminded me of it. But um, what are two things that are, we know are kind of going to go away? The physical, we all get old eventually, right? So like, that is going to go away. So if your relationship is based on that physical and then the emotional stuff, that spark, that's the emotion. That's not going to be the same in a long time from now. You might used to love skiing, but now you hate skiing. So all of a sudden your husband's like, wait, but I thought what our relationship was on was us liking skiing together. Oh, you changed. We're done. Right. So those two things are vulnerable things actually to base a relationship off of, but values are a very strong thing to base a relationship off because those really aren't changing. So fun fact there. Next point that came up for me was, um, I'll tell you this much from being married and being around other married women, like nobody is talking about, oh, so like, when did you get married? How old were you? Like, what age were you? Like, it literally could not matter less. What we often talk about is, wow, I did this trip with my friends when I was single and when I did this (laughs) experiences that we had while we were single and sometimes like I I happened to get married young which wasn't even my plan whatsoever but Hashem plans better um but often I I find myself even a little envious I'm like wow like you went to all those places and did all those things when you were single like jealous but back then you're thinking oh my god she just got married so young jealous like so it's just fascinating but really spending those years like you said like filling yourself up 
self-love, your husband is never going to be able to give it to you. And I still had a long ways to go. And it's a work in progress for me every single day practice of self-love. No matter what, I wake up, I do my same self-love practices. If it starts wavering, I go, okay, how can I give myself more? Um, really sitting with myself in the good times, the bad times, all of it. But really learning that before you enter a relationship will change your relationship. Because what happens the few days that your husband has to work more or his like friend is in town, he hangs out with his friend. You're like, wait, but like, do you love me anymore? Like, that's a very scary place to be in. But if you are in such a whole complete place, you're never going to need anything else to fill you up. And that, this is why I think that I started divorce rate because it's the pain I experienced. And I see that if 60% of people are getting divorced, then that means that there's a whole generation of kids who are super wounded the way I was, right? That's, that's creating generational trauma and we should hopefully stop that. So let's go back. What does that mean? That means we're probably not picking our partners, right? Okay, great. So we got to look at dating. But actually, even before that, that means we're probably, we don't know how to be married. Great. So before that, we don't know how to pick our partners, right? Okay, so let's look at that. What's before that is we don't know how to be with ourselves, correct? Mm -hmm. And so really sitting with yourself, loving yourself, getting to know yourself, like accepting the parts of you that you've maybe been rejecting, like that part of you who might be a little awkward and weird and like out there or like likes to be lazy some days and sit on the couch, like that part of you that you just like usually aren't so nice to accepting her, getting to know her, hanging out with her. And like just that full unconditional self-love, it's going to be transformative if you're able to give yourself that in your single years. And that's exciting. That's like almost empowering. It should move you out of being scared of being alone and be like excited to be alone. Oh, I love that. And I really like, I literally saw like kind of like walking through one side of like this, like darkness into light. When you said that, like, I literally saw that and it's just it's unreal. And it's people like you sharing your story and being open and open to helping others um, with this process, because I, I just see it time and time again. It's we have to kind of flip the narrative. The narrative isn't like, oh, poor you, you're single. Like it's like, oh, my gosh, you're single. Let's go. What are you going to what are you going to do about it? Like, what's the mark you're going to leave on your story so that when you look back to it, you're like you don't have regrets and you don't have these feelings of hostility to the to, like towards those years but so much gratitude and I just think you know at the end of the day um anything that creates light within ourselves we're able to then light other people up and that's like the most that's what I hope for this podcast that's what I hope through this interaction and I'm just so grateful Remy that you took the time to sit with me and to sit with you know the conversation surrounding self-love and I urge any one of you who are listening to check out Remy's Instagram, her website. She provides so much incredible soulful practices and tools. And I really urge any of you, wherever you are in your journey to connect with her because she really is a special soul. And I'm so happy that we did this. You are the best. I adore you. And just to everyone <laughs> listening, if you're still searching for your one, he's out there. Don't worry. Like, trust that he's out there know so deeply he's out there and then have some fun enjoy hang out with yourself like really take this time to be with yourself and love yourself and there's so many practices like Hannah said of self-care and often you might need someone to like help guide you through it like it's very hard to do it alone I'll have a life coach for the rest of my life but even just having some tools but it's the most exciting time to work on yourself so 
you are in an amazing place, whoever's listening to this, and just be proud of yourself. Really celebrate yourself through all of this. Absolutely. And before we go, I always like to end this conversation with a practice. You know, we're always sitting with things, and um, I think we've talked about it in this conversation. It's important not to neglect those emotions or those experiences. So it doesn't have to be something pertaining to the conversation. It can be anything that's going on in your life that you're comfortable sharing with us. But um, Remy, what are you currently sitting with? Oh, that is very cool. And it's, it's pretty specific to my life, but a huge practice for me has been what I want to pass on to my little girl um, and the lessons and values I want to pass on to her. And what does that make you do? Turn around and look at yourself and see all of these programmings that you have inside of yourself. That maybe if I imagined her feeling those ways, whether it's body image or financial goals or like people pleasing things within myself. And I'm like, I don't want to pass that to my little girl. It's just been a really amazing time to sit and like, look with, look inside myself. And the days that I'm like, maybe a little more sad in our harder days. I'm like, how would I want her to be able to feel in a day like this? And I'm starting to give that to myself. So it's been a really cool practice, just learning from her, being able to heal myself through her and thinking about next generations. And I mean, in the end of the day, it is the goal is to really bring in the next generation and like seeing that is so, it's just so fun and makes me look at my single years and thank God for them and just like watch everything trickle. So yeah, that's what I've been sitting with. (laughs) That is so, so beautiful. And I think it goes for anyone, even if you're not currently expecting, please God, to those of us who would like that, we should have that. Um, But I think just sending love and treating ourselves like the person you love most in the world, you would never be mean to them and you would never ridicule them for their experiences. And I think we need to give ourselves a dose and like a million times more of that love because- if not us, who's going to give it to us? 100%. And that's a huge part of it is I'm thinking about her little face looking at me, but then I have to take myself back to my little version of myself and I would never be mean to her. So why would I ever be mean to myself right now and say poor things about myself? So just a healing process. And it's the perfect time to start now, wherever you are, that healing process. So exactly. really fun. Amazing. Okay. Thank you guys all for listening. Thank you so much.